Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. The biggest one that God's really doing in our church is this whole culture statement of we are about authenticity. That we're raw and we're real and we, we recognise, you know, we're on the journey. We, we, we want to be honest and vulnerable before God and before one another so that we can grow and, and get whole because we're about wholeness. Amen. And so I want to, I want to go after that today and, and, and I pray that as we respond at the end, there will just be this real beautiful and tangible vulnerability before our Lord. But that vulnerability would, would, wouldn't just stay here, but then really permeate through our week and our relationship with Him, but also with one another. And uh, that's going to bear fruit and freedom. Amen. And so I'm sorry, but this isn't going to be super comfortable. If, if you're new or visiting, the reality is where church is about being authentic and getting whole. Uh, We don't want to play church. We want Jesus to do a deep work in us so that we can be more like Him and so we can represent Him to the world. And I tell you, God has been just undoing me, uh, becoming uh, becoming very aware of my brokenness, my feelings. Yes, men, we've got feelings. They are there. Areas that I need to work on that will bless my marriage and bless my fathering and and, and, and my life as a whole. But one of the biggest issues or, or almost what God has said is like the top button for me right now is this, um, this whole thing of my independence, being trying to do things independent of God and of others and, and, and taking it all on myself. And I'll, I'll, I'll preach a message someday, hopefully soon, called Dependence Day. I think that'll be a good one. Um, I'm not ready yet though, because the Lord's still taking me, me through it. But this whole thing of just being vulnerable before God, before trusted others and not hiding stuff or trying to fix it all on my own or or I'll get it all together and then I'll talk about it or then I'll, you know, like, but realising I just can't do this on my own Uh, and I don't want to fake it till I make it anymore. You know, God was actually showing me across this year that like, uh, like I know that I'm called to minister and things like that, but even to this point of like, I'm actually hitting a lid where I can't go any further in what God wants to do through me unless He lets me, lets, unless I let Him do a greater work in me. And then I let Him deal with stuff in my heart and my character. You know, I can learn ministry techniques and how to land a good altar call or how to pray or whatever. But at the end of the day, unless God doesn't work in here, that's it. That's the lid. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want that. I want to step in all that God has for me as a father, as a husband, as a man of God. And and so I know that that means I need to be open and get vulnerable and, and bear all. And that's what we all need to do. But do you understand the why, church? You know, we, we, we talk about this every year, but why do we really need to pursue wholeness and personal growth? Well, there's a few reasons. The first is to be more like Jesus and represent Him well, right? We're Christ's ambassadors, right? It, but if Because if Christians don't represent God, then who will, right? But if we don't get whole, we're going to do a poor job. And people will look at you and say, uh, if, that's, if your God is anything like you, well, I don't want anything to do with that. No, thank you, right? I'm not interested. Secondly, it's also for our best life, right? Like God actually has the best for us. You know, like the mind governed by the Spirit leads to life and peace. So let's go after that. You know, like wholeness leads to freedom and good fruit. And that's not just fruit for like others to see and enjoy in our lives, but no, it's for you to enjoy, right? The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think I got them all. Humility, if you read an old school Bible. Um, These are good things, 
Like these are things I'd like to have in my heart and life. I think life would be more enjoyable than if I didn't have love or peace or joy and I wasn't gentle or patient and I didn't have any self-control. Like That's pretty much where all my issues come from is the lack of those things, right? <laughs> but also, God wants to trust us with greater, with His kingdom, with power, with greater purpose and influence, right? You wouldn't give a powerful car to a child, would you? That would go badly, right? They would hurt themselves. They would hurt others. You want the child to grow up and mature before you trust them with something powerful like that. Same for us. God's got great things for us, but He's needing us to grow up, to be able to, be able to take care of those things and not hurt ourselves or hurt others. And so we need to go after this ruthlessly, right? For God's glory, for our own personal benefit and for others, right? We need to get open and vulnerable and bear all. Who's up for that? <laughs> Thanks, you go. You can go. So speaking of bearing all, I want to take you uh, back to Easter 2010 here at Nations Church. We were, um, we were back in Blue Gum Community Centre back then. Give me a wave of you around. Easter 2010. Yeah, yeah. Okay. A few of you have made it this far. Praise the Lord. <laughs> And um, it was Easter, so Easter Sunday, uh, they planned a big production, we're believing for lots of people who didn't know Jesus to come in, we wanted to show them that Jesus and His saving grace, and there was this production, drama, dance kind of thing, and, and um, I wasn't in it, I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'll sit this one out, someone else is going to have the glory this time, and uh, <laughs> anyway, Saturday night, the night before, my good mate Denver, this Pastor Gareth's brother, uh, calls me and says, Bro, I, I, I just broke my ankle at rugby and I can't, I can't do this, this performance. I, I need you to cover for me. Now I'm, just, I'm a, obviously a really, really good mate and so I did it. And I spent the whole Saturday night learning this thing, learning the moves, the steps and this. And in essence, it was like this, this really um, impacting drama dance thing. Kind of like a, like a Lifehouse skit, if you know what that is. But it's been done a million times. So this is like an updated version. And... Um, we had to wear this white T-shirt and then the black T-shirt over the top. And it was like, um, we were sinful and then Jesus would come and touch us and the black would be removed and we'd be free from sin. It was amazing. And, and so I was like, oh, I don't have like a black shirt. And Dan was like, no, no, I got you, man. I'll bring it for you. And gives it to me on the day. I was like, this is a weird material, but okay, cool, whatever. And so comes to this point in the in, in the in the the drama and this is like a timing you got to nail it like Jesus touched you the black comes off the white shirt is there you're whole you're pure you're free from sin praise the Lord and so comes to this moment I drop to my knees and it's like okay I gotta do it and I'm like oh gosh it's it's sticky like I can't and I just, all right the time is now and I just pulled it through it and let's check the photo of this moment and there <laughs> I was Look at that. That's the Shekinah glory right there. Hallelujah. Look at me, eyes closed. I was like, Jesus, some people better get saved today, please. Oh, I wish I was that fit still. Goodness me. And what's happening with my hair? It's like the fiery porcupine. This is a season of my life when I was going for these uh, styled haircuts. I would go to a barber called Ebony and Ivory. As you could see, I was their ivory clientele. See, I've come a long way. I would never have shown you guys this. This is like, this is like the height of embarrassing moments. Like, 
But he, actually, here's the thing. I just committed so hard that some people thought that was meant to happen. I was like, everyone else had a shirt on. How is it? That wasn't meant to happen. Take that down, please. This is enough. Um, and I don't want to be a stumbling block to anybody. Ha. Gosh. I said I would never, ever have my shirt off again in church. And there it is again. You know, they put it up when we turned 10 and we became Nations Church. They put it up on the wall. It's like you walked in. It was like all these memories of church. I was like, why am I having to relive this again? Oh, it's a great memory for someone else. Yeah. For many of us, something like this happening to you, that would stir up absolute feelings of dread like it did for me. You know, to be exposed, to be bearing all, you know, we couldn't, couldn't think of anything worse. Some of you would love to take, take your t-shirt off in church, but that's not, that's not what we do here. Um, but what about metaphorically? Like, let me talk metaphorically. You know, the parts of your life that no one typically sees or knows about. You know, we, we all do all that we can to protect ourselves, to stay covered, not let people know what's really going on underneath or what our internal struggles are. You know, or uh, you don't want them to know that you just struggle with really dark, sinful thoughts. You don't want them to know that you're constantly feeling anxious about what people might think of you. You don't want them to know that you and your wife or your husband, you haven't laughed together in years. Or that you want to climb the ladder at work. You so desperately want to succeed and be recognized because that medicates the lack of value you ever received from your father. Or that you get angry and it scares your spouse or your kids. Or that when things aren't Going well, you turn to your computer and look at things that you shouldn't to feel a sense of control or escape. Or that you feel like your walk with God is this back and forwards of at times feeling full of faith and close to Him, and, but then at other times wondering if God is even there at all. We're going to get real today and it feels uncomfortable right now, but I do promise this is going to end well, okay? So the title of my message today is Bearing All. Bearing All. Matthew chapter 12, verse 9 to 14 says, Then Jesus went over to their synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, Does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes so they could bring charges against him. And he answered, If you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored, just like the other one. Then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. That's a wild passage of text. You know, wow, just imagine being this guy with the withered hand, having a deformed hand. You know, I knew a guy in Cambodia who actually had two thumbs on one hand. Right? He had one little, little one that came out here. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't functional. You know, you've ever wished, like, oh, I just wish I had another pair of hands. Or he had an extra thumb, but it didn't really help. But um, it, that doesn't relate. Um, anyways, imagine being this guy with a withered hand, and you would have carried the shame 
the shame of your ailment, considered unclean, there's stigmas around your condition. And then you've come along to the synagogue, maybe you're just there to do your, do your worship or pay your tithe or whatever it may be, and suddenly like all the religious leaders are there and this guy, Jesus, and there's people following him all there and they're like kind of pointing and looking and talking about you and like, you know, he's got an issue, what about, is his healing okay? And just kind of like, oh my gosh, like I just want to do my thing. And, and then suddenly you're being asked to stretch out your hand for everyone to see and he does. He exposes it before the general public, before these religious leaders who are already pretty mad, and before the Messiah. Whether he knew or believed it was the Messiah yet at the time, there's a lot of people following him. He seems important. And here I am having to have this awkward moment where everyone sees my issue. <coughs> I think this man had incredible courage, phenomenal courage. Bearing all requires courage. Because those with courage climb mountains that others don't. Or they defeat giants that others don't. And I love that Jesus didn't actually specify which hand to stretch out. He could have stretched out his other hand. Like, you know, through, through the shame he was burned with, maybe the pressure of the moment. Just, oh, look, here I am. That's, that's it. There's, there's nothing to see here. Can we just move on? Like, guys, what's this all about? You know, I'm fine. Look, right? But he bared his weakness before Jesus. And Jesus healed him. He healed him. He was changed forever because he was willing to bear his weakness before Jesus, not just present his good hand. Isn't that what we contend to do? Present the parts of ourselves to God or to others that, that look the part, that look good, that look more together. You know, let people know about our successes or talk about the child that's performing really well or take a selfie of your good side, you know, or... Just keep taking 50 selfies until you can find a good site, right? Like we, we fake it till we make it, yeah? You know what the problem with that is, right? We never get whole. We never deal with our weaknesses and our internal struggles. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm done faking. Jesus is calling us to present to him the ugly, the withered, the broken, the dysfunctional, the hurting, and he heals. You know, my first point that I want you to catch is that he can't heal what you won't reveal. And yes, my first point is the same point that Pastor Ken used a few weeks ago because we need to get this. <laughs> and I feel the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to walk away from this one so quickly. He can't heal what we won't reveal. You know, he can't restore if we don't bring him what's sore, you know. He, we, we have to bear all so he can repair all. all right? I can keep going with quirky little liners, but you get the idea, all right? We must get vulnerable before the Lord. Pastor Ken said vulnerability is a willingness to be open about your weaknesses and struggles. You see, however, if we see God as like a taskmaster, you know, who's demanding a standard or demanding perfection, then we're not going to reveal our struggles to Him. The reality is He already knows. <laughs> but we'll try to figure it out ourselves and, and then present our successes to God. Look, God, I, I'm doing pretty good with this one now. I haven't stopped up for a while. You accept me now, right? That's a performance mindset. And it's an orphan spirit. He's inviting us to come to Him as a father. He's father, we're son, we're daughter. You know, think about the, the, the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son. When this son decides to return back to the father, he would have been a mess. The guy was, was feeding pigs, wanting to eat the pig food. So he was probably malnourished. He would have been dirty, he would have been tattered. And the father doesn't say, oh my goodness, you're disgusting, get away. No, the father sees him and runs to him because he was willing to come as he was. 
That's our invitation from our Father to come as you are with all your weakness, all your junk. You know, God's been showing me, he showed me two childhood memories um, that had actually formed this whole independence in me. Was, there's was two things that had happened when I was younger. I was out in the neighborhood and, and I'd gotten hurt or upset by, by, by someone in the street or whatever. And I'd run to my parents and, and, and the way I perceived it is they didn't help me. They didn't, they didn't advocate for me. I didn't get the justice I wanted or whatever it was. I perceived it that they didn't help. And so from then, I, I decided in myself, okay, well, I've got to deal with things myself. I've got to hold myself together. I've got to fix it. And this independence in me started to come about. I'll sort it out. And man, because so, then when you can't sort it out, well, you just got to hide it, right? And so for so long, I try to hide my struggles. <laughs> oh, what if people didn't know, knew that I didn't have that sorted, you know? What if they knew that every few months I'd struggle with pornography? What, what if others knew I struggled to read my Bible and pray? You know, I work at church. You know, I, I actually would have, have long struggled with hiding and, and eating and buying snacks from my wife, right? Because they're unhealthy and they're a waste of money. Some of you do it. I hid from my wife. You hide things from your pastor or your leader or those closest. I did it. Why? Because I was ashamed. And my second point is shame stops us from being vulnerable. Shame stops us from bearing all. See, Adam and Eve, they hid from God when they sinned because they're ashamed. God comes out and says, who told you you were naked? Shame did. Shame tells us to hide. You're exposed. Don't let God know or anyone know about that struggle, about how you fall short. You see, the language of shame so often forms itself in our minds as this should talk. You know, I should be over this by now. Or I I should be a better wife or husband. I shouldn't be struggling with that. I shouldn't still be stuck in this sin. I should pray more. I should should have dealt with this by now. Shame takes an action or a behaviour and says, this is who you are. You are unable to overcome. You are a perv. You are weak. You are unholy. You are a bad Christian. You are not fit for use for the kingdom. Yeah, what would people think of you if you shared that? Or if they knew what you sometimes think about? Shame causes us not to run to God, but to run from God and to hide. But it's time we've got to come into the truth. I mean, shame has no place in our lives, right? There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, amen? You see, the devil and his principalities are trying to heap shame on us. But here's the thing. He's the one ashamed, not us. It says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15, let this bless your soul. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record. It's cancelled. They cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Man, the devil has been pantsed, right? Shame on you, Satan. Not shame on me. My stuff is cancelled. My sin is forgiven. Praise God. Colossians 1 verse 22. Sorry, I spat a little bit there. Colossians 1 verse 22. Yet now he has reconciled you. To himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. You've been reconciled. You're completely brought back. As a result, 
He has brought you into his own presence. You didn't bring yourself there. He brought you in because of what he did, the death of Christ, right? Not by your great performance. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Wow. I got a lot of faults, but this is telling me, wow, I stand holy and blameless without a single fault before the Lord because of what Jesus has done for me. You're holy and blameless in His sight. He does not look at you with shame. So if He's not looking at you with shame, why are you looking at yourself with shame? When the man stretched out his hand to Jesus, Jesus didn't scoff. He didn't turn away. No, He healed him. He healed the man. We got to throw off shame in Jesus' name. It is a stinking lie from the enemy. Whatever it is that's caused you to feel shame or feel like you don't measure up, you need to hear this today. That's something you did. It's not who you are. And Jesus has paid for everything you've done. You're a child of God. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, right? You're a co-heir with Christ. You are His beloved. It's time to throw off shame, amen? There's no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. So if there's no shame, there's no condemnation, well, then there's no reason not to bear our weaknesses before Him, amen? There's no shame, so we can bear all. That's why Adam and Eve could be naked, because there was no shame. There was nothing. It's time to get vulnerable with our Saviour who wants to restore us. He doesn't want to whip you or scold you or glare at you. He wants to embrace you and restore you and refine you. He wants to release you from every weight that slows you down so you can run for Him. You know, in the church or maybe even in in your family and our families, we can inadvertently create expectations that we should all have it all together, you know, that we should know better. And I I think we often don't have grace for one another. We don't have grace for ourselves. And and so we silently, slowly drown in our struggles. Or we harden our hearts. I'm fine. I love worship. This is the best. Yeah. We compromise intimacy with the Lord. We hold Him at a distance, right, so that He can't get too close to actually pinpoint some issues that we have to deal with, right? That's got to change. Now, I'm not excusing sin, but I'm acknowledging the struggle that we have with it, right? The daily wrestle we have with our flesh. Why else would would Paul call us to put to death the deeds of our flesh through the help of the Holy Spirit? That's Romans 8, 13. It's because it's a reality every day. And so first and foremost, we're called to come and present ourselves to Him, our weaknesses, our sins before the Lord, and ask Him, the Holy Spirit, to help us to put to death the deeds of the flesh, to heal us from past trauma, to help us walk in new ways, new ways of freedom and and righteousness. But secondly, we need each other. And I'm going to share another scripture from the Bible, and I'm going to be honest with you, I hate it. It's a dumb scripture. (laughs) It goes against everything in me. Well, everything in me, that's got to go, actually. And the second part's, don't get me wrong, the second part's really great. And we'll like put that up. It's a good one for prayer nights and stuff, you know. Um, but it actually goes hand in hand. And we've got to take the whole, world, whole word in its fullness. Amen. So here we go. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Ah. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You see, because when you share what you're going through and someone prays, it's talking about those prayers. Those, those prayers are powerful and they yield wonderful results. I would like that in my life. 
I would like those things that I'm struggling with, those, those sins or those, those, those hang-ups or whatever it may be. It's time to start bearing all. I don't want to stay in my junk. All right? Think about Star Wars Episode 4. All right? All the Star Wars fans out here? Yeah? I got you. I'm looking after you. All right? Where, where, where Luke and Leia and Chewie and Han, they jump down the chute to escape, but they land in the trash compactor. And it's like slop. It's gross. It's disgusting. Right? And if they stay in there long, it begins to like compact. Right? So they're going to get destroyed. And so you can stay in that junk, but they decide, well, we're going to grab the radio thing and we're going to call C-3PO. Get us out of here. Get us out of here. In the end, R2-D2 comes in and saves them. Sorry if that's a spoiler alert. It's a small part of the story. There's a bigger picture. And if you haven't seen Star Wars yet, what are you doing? <laughs> but we have the choice. Are we going to stay here in our junk or are we actually going to call? Are we going to call out for help, right? And I'm not saying just talk to anyone and everyone, you know, Pastor Mel gets up as the MC, hey, before you sit down, why don't you say hi to someone you don't know? Hey, how are you? Yeah, look, my wife and I, we just, we just shout at each other the whole way here on the way to church. I'm super mad at her. My kids are so annoying. I probably could have just locked them in the car and left them there. And to be honest, I missed the Matildas game yesterday, so I'd rather just be at home watching a replay of this. But I struggle with being assertive with my wife, so I just feel like I'm forced to come to church. So here I am. How are you doing? God bless you. <laughs> no, but we've got to start talking to someone. Please. Your connect leader. Talk to your spouse. Talk to someone who's going to point you to Jesus, who's going to keep you accountable and pray for you, right? Because it's powerful and it's going to produce wonderful results in your life. And my last point, honesty and vulnerability go hand in hand. Can't be vulnerable if you're not going to be honest. Can't be honest and not be vulnerable. And that's being honest with yourself and with God and with others. You know, David was confronted by, by Nathan in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and he'd been caught out. He'd slept with Uriah's wife and then he'd had Uriah killed because she got pregnant and he felt guilty and, and it was obviously it wasn't Uriah's baby. And so Nathan confronts him on this and his immediate response was, I've sinned against the Lord. He was honest and vulnerable. You know, he could have made excuses, right? He could have defended. He could have justified. You don't understand. Like, have you seen her? And she was naked on the roof, like in the middle of the day. Who does that? Like, I'm a man. I have desires. She, she set me up. She set me up. No, he was honest. He just owned it. He didn't hide it or justify it. And that's where grace abounds, right? How often could we all say that we respond in the same way? Many of us defend when we're confronted, especially by our spouses, oh, guilty, or our parents, maybe a pastor, a leader, a mentor, we defend or we deflect, you know, oh, I bought that new dress because I needed it and it was time for an update and I wasn't going to tell you because you always make it a big deal and you always flip out about these things. You're so controlling. No, really, you just lack self-control and integrity. You need to be honest with yourself. Or how many of us, we make excuses. Oh, I'm stressed because my boss, he's a real, you know, he's one of the, I won't say it on the stage, you know, but like, I just need, I just need, I need each week I just need a few, a few times away just from the family just to play golf or have a few drinks with the guys or a few more than that. But like, this is what fills my tank, you know? No, go and cast your cares on the Lord and be the father and the husband he's called you to be. Or how many of us we justify or we lie to ourselves? Oh, I mean, I'm in control of this, right? I could stop whenever or it's harmless. This, this is just something I do, something I do for me. You know, I like to do. Well, I only, I only struggle with this, you know, every, every few months. It's not an addiction or anything, you know. Like, I don't need to talk to anyone about it. Come on. He's called us to throw off every weight 
and the sin that so easily entangles us in a run for Him. He's called us to hate wickedness and love righteousness, right? He's called us to respond to His grace by living holy. You know, not that long ago, um, I was getting really jealous of, of a friendship that my wife was having. It wasn't even with another dude. It was with a girl, right? And um, just in case, like, mm, maybe you should, sort, you know, maybe she has got something going on. No, no, no. So I thought I'd be a good husband, and I talked to her about it, tell her how she could change, how she could work on that. Um, didn't go that well. <laughs> but when I actually went away, and I was honest with myself and with the Lord, God just started to show me that I'm jealous. And He began to show me what the root of that was. That I had started actually in this, this area of my heart, look to my wife to fulfill that need. That need for attention or to, to feel loved or whatever it need, needed to be. And I was like, and that's not, like, and that's meant to be something, a space that God occupies. So I had to repent and just invite God into that space. And, and what does He do? He responds and He ministers to that part of my heart. And I began to draw in deeper into Him and allow Him to love on me in that part of my heart. And wholeness ensues. I'm okay with her having good friendships, okay? <laughs> we need to be honest with ourselves, with the Lord, with those close to us. How else will we surrender to the Lord? If we're always hiding and denying something, what have we got to give Him to, to work on, right? How else will we overcome and be more whole? doesn't just you walk in a church and somehow He kind of zaps you and everything's great. No, you actually have to bring it out. You have to reveal it to Him. You have to be honest. It cast shame off, right? So it's not to condemn today. We've all got struggles, but it's time to start bearing all, yeah? He can't heal what we won't reveal. Shame stops us from being vulnerable. We've got to throw that off, right? It's a lie from the enemy. We step into the truth, yeah? And honesty and vulnerability go hand in hand. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.